The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this first summer Sunday of worship as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via the podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is Dr. Jessica Chica, and I have the pleasure of serving as the university chaplain for international students here at Marsh Chapel. Our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we welcome our guest preacher and colleague, Brother Larry Whitney, the University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. Brother Larry recently successfully defended his dissertation at the BU School of Theology. We look forward to the message that he will offer us today. We gather today to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God. Of the bondage it shall bear and by and by, by and by, of the bondage it shall bear and by and by. From Egypt's yoke set free, hail the glorious Jubilee, and to Canaan will return by and by, by and by, and to Canaan will return by and by. Shout it in glory to our Let us pray. 
Oh God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now enter into a time of reflection on both the things we have done and the things we have left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir sings the Kyrie, let us pray, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God has called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothraci, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Tyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me, to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 67 with the antiphon. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. seated. Hear then wisdom from the gospel according to John, the 14th chapter, the 23rd through the 29th verses. Let us be attentive. Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word, and my father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Hear then also wisdom from the Lunyu, the Analects, 
the third chapter, sections 9, 14, and 19. Let us be attentive. The Master said, As for the rites of the Xia dynasty, I can speak of them. But there is little remaining in the state of Qi to document them. As for the rites of the Shang dynasty, I can speak of them. But there is little remaining in the state of Song to document them. This is because there is not much in the way of culture or moral worthies left in either state. If there were something there, then I would be able to document them. The master said, The Zhou gazes down upon the two dynasties that preceded it. How brilliant in culture it is. I follow the Zhou. Duke Ding asked, How should a lord employ his ministers? How should a minister serve his lord? Confucius replied, A lord should employ his ministers with ritual, and ministers should serve their lord with dutifulness. Wisdom, peace be with all. Amen. Remember the following. Goat, four, purple, wheel, triangle, K, sodium, velocity, glass, humane. There will be a test. For something so fundamental to human life, memory is disconcertingly unreliable and unstable. Without a reasonably good memory, every facet of our lives becomes unmanageable. Each and every morning, we must remember how to move our muscles to get out of bed, what order and in which direction to put on our clothes, in which vessel to pour our caffeinated beverage of choice, and how to grasp a utensil, use it to pick up food, and bring it to our mouth. We must be able to recognize and recall the various people in our lives, whether they are family, friends, colleagues, or acquaintances, and appropriate ways of speaking and interacting with each. In order to get where we are going, we must remember how to pay our fare on the tea, how to drive a car, or how to put one foot in front of the other so as to walk. The richness, texture, and potency of life supervene upon patterns and processes remembered so as to be enacted. Now, computer memory encodes information by breaking it down into patterned sequences of binary options and storing it in cells that assume a physical state representing either one or zero. If you were to check on any given cell, its state can be determined definitively one way or the other. Human memory does not seem to work quite this way. If you have questions about this, I would recommend a course in the neuroscience department. When we go to check on our memories, they often appear vague, unclear, or uncertain. Worse, the very memories we feel most confident of upon further reflection, often could not have been possible. I am 100% certain that I left my house keys in my pants pocket. When I check my pants pocket, 
They are not there. Perhaps another pair of pants. Wait, maybe it was last week that I left my keys in my pants pocket. Where else might I have left them? No, not on the mantel, not on the kitchen counter, not on the dining room table. Now, wait a minute. How could they have ended up on the floor in the living room? Someone else must have moved them. Memory is fragile. Memory is tenuous. Memory is fallible. As one recently defended dissertation put it, memory is not so much in the indicative mood of how things are or were as in the subjunctive mood of how they could, should, or would be or have been. We humans tend to experience the world as it is and remember it as we would like it to be. As important as memory is, it is unsurprising that we humans have come up with a number of coping mechanisms to counteract the faultiness of our recollections. Members of the choir will recall, or perhaps not, the mnemonic device of every good boy deserves fudge to remember the notes that fall on the lines of the treble staff, E-G-B-D-F, and the notes in the spaces spell face. The most sophisticated system humans have developed to aid memory is writing. From shopping lists to historical events to transformative ideas, if you want to be sure to remember it, be sure to write it down. Some writings are particularly important, and so we set them apart. They are sacred. This is what sacred means, to be set apart. Sacred texts, or scriptures, tend to recall historical events or transformative ideas more often than shopping lists, although those long genealogies in Genesis and Matthew are good reminders that this is hardly a strict dichotomy. Even in Scripture, however, what is recorded depends at least on the memory of the transpired event or thought idea that it records. Moreover, the movement from memory to written recording often injects yet further degrees of subjunctivity, rounding corners and smoothing edges, as it were. By the end, the written record, even of sacred text, often obscures more than it reveals, and yet it becomes the common inheritance of memory of generations and civilizations. Indeed, scriptural memory contains some of the most bizarre forms of memory. Not only can the past be remembered as a prediction of the future, as in much of the prophetic literature, but so too can the future be remembered as a promise. We hear this in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Notably, in John, part of what is promised is a new and renewed and better memory, even than Scripture itself can provide. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and remind you of all that I have said to you. So too, Jesus recalls something he said previously. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. Strangely, there is no recording of Jesus having said precisely that. It would appear he is summarizing what he said in verses 3 and 4 of the 14th chapter. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Summary, too, is a subjunctive way of remembering. And this whole passage is a summary of what preceded it in chapters 13 and 14. In Scripture, the modes of time are conflated and shot through with the possibility that is the purview of the subjunctive mood. We see this as well in the Analects as Confucius remembers the glories of past dynasties. He reveres the glories of the Xia and Shang dynasties, even as he laments that they are largely forgotten, even in his own day, 500 years before the Common Era, let alone now. As for the rites of the Xia dynasty, I can speak of them, but there is little remaining in the state of Qi to document them. As for the rites of the Shang dynasty, I can speak of them, but there is little remaining in the state of Song to document them. Notably, the documentation Confucius desires is not written text, but lived practice. This is because there is not much in the way of culture or moral worthies left in either state. If there were something there, then I would be able to document them. Thankfully, the best of both the Xia and Shang dynasties is embodied in the more recent Zhou dynasty, so all is not lost. The Zhou gazes down upon the two dynasties that preceded it, how brilliant in culture it is. I follow the Zhou. This, then, is where things get really interesting. Confucius purports to value the memory of the past because of its capacity to inform the present so as to reform the socio-political order of his day, even as it is crumbling around him. If they could only go back to how things were, everything would be better. Do you hear the subjunctives there? Could and would? Well, if they knew enough about how things were, then in principle they can go back to them. Such a conservative appropriation of the glorious past as medication for the less-than-glorious present is hardly unique. What is unique is that this conservative advocacy is a masquerade for Confucius to radically reshape the socio-political project of China. The governance of the Xia, Shang, and Zhou dynasties was hereditary. But Confucius retells their stories such that the effectiveness of their rule was due not to inherited authority, but virtuous leadership. Thus, leaders in the hierarchy should relate to one another virtuously rather than violently. A lord should employ his ministers with ritual, and ministers should serve their lord with dutifulness. Confucius found great possibility for the future in the memory of the past, so long as we remember rightly which in this case requires remembering wrongly in a historical sense. What it means to remember rightly is deeply fraught for us as well. Consider especially the vagaries of memory brought on by violence and trauma. The memories of victims and witnesses are often far from perfect, and yet the shifting landscape of memory and its disjuncture too often become legal excuses for questioning whether anything at all actually happened. Justice requires that we acknowledge that failures of memory are not necessarily indications of an intent to deceive, just as a perfectly consistent narrative may be nothing more than an elaborate farce. 
the variations in memory recorded in Scripture, whether of the Davidic kingship in Kings and Chronicles, or of the life of Jesus in the four Gospels, testify to the consistency of truth precisely amidst the variability of memory. I have had the privilege over the past two years as a fellow in the Institute for Culture, Religion, and World Affairs at the Pardee School of Global Studies here at Boston University to learn with and from the Institute's director, Professor Timothy Longman. Professor Longman conducted his dissertation research in Rwanda prior to the genocide there in 1994 and then returned after as the director of the Rwandan field office of Human Rights Watch. In his most recent book, Memory and Justice in Post-Genocide Rwanda, he notes that the narrative that has gained wide circulation is that, despite all odds, Rwanda is being successfully rebuilt. The victim group in the genocide has chosen to reject revenge and embrace forgiveness and reconciliation. And as a result, Rwanda has become peaceful and prosperous. Unfortunately, this version of the story is largely an example of remembering wrongly. Instead, Professor Longman says, The government has not been able to dictate a collective memory and create a unified national Rwandan identity. The inconsistencies between the official narrative and the people's lived experience have left average citizens cynical and alienated. As the review of their impact will demonstrate, the extensive transitional justice initiatives implemented in Rwanda have actually exacerbated social divisions and increased tensions. Rwanda stands as a warning about the limitations or even the dangers of transitional justice. As he quotes one survivor saying, we pretend to live together. Memory is fickle and frail. Memory is potent and resilient. Memory is fickle and frail and potent and resilient all at the same time. As a result, remembering rightly can only ever partially be about remembering what was as it was. Remembering rightly must always also mean remembering what was as it makes the future possible. Memory is and must always be subjunctive. On this Memorial Day weekend, we pause to remember. The holiday is intended especially for remembering those who died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. Our tendency is to remember them as heroes, and surely the heroic acts, for example, of those who endured and survived as prisoners of war deserve to be remembered so. We would, however, this Memorial Day weekend, do well to remember more. We remember those who perished, but too often forget those who returned, especially those who return permanently scarred in body, mind, and spirit. We remember that they fought well but forget that the reasons given that they should fight at all were rooted in irreality. We remember those who serve honorably, but would prefer to gloss over dishonorable conduct 
and end up justifying conferring pardons on war criminals. The loss of memory at the social level, as Confucius recognized, is the loss of culture and morality. The loss of memory at the personal level is the loss of world and even of self. Both are tragic. Both are painful. Part and parcel of the tragedy and pain is that we can never go back. Memory does not work that way. As Jesus reminds us in the Gospel of John, we always need a spirit to lead us forward. Memory is of the past, but toward the future. We remember rightly when we remember the past for the sake of the future. Now, let's see how we do. Do you remember the list I gave you at the beginning of the sermon? How many do you remember? Goat, four, orange, wheel, triangle, K, sodium, velocity, metal, humane. Well, how did you do? Not so good, huh? Then thanks be to God that we remember rightly when we remember the past for the sake of the future. Wisdom is not memory. Justice is not memory. Truth is not memory. Peace is not memory. Memory is for the sake of wisdom and justice and truth and peace. Amen.
You may be seated. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he advised, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So let us heed his advice and pray. You're welcome to remain seated, stand, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. God, our help in ages past, we praise you with gladness and joy, for you are our God. We praise you because we know that you have blessed us, and we are thankful that we know about the good news of your salvation. O oh God, our hope for years to come, we praise you because we know that you will continue to bless us. We remember those who sacrificed and fought for the freedoms we have today. We are thankful that they leaned not on their own understanding, but let love and faithfulness guide their actions to change the status quo. We pray for those who continue to fight injustice, disease, poverty, and ignorance in this nation and around the world. Give us all the strength and conviction and courage to join the fight. O oh God, our eternal home, we pray for those who have ended their earthly journey and are now at rest. We remember those with whom we have had a personal relationship. For those loving spouses, parents, children, other relatives and dear friends, we are grateful for their presence in our lives. We are also grateful for those we don't know who gave their lives to make this world a better place. For their courage, faith, and hope, we are thankful. Abide with military personnel, diplomats, missionaries, and all whose service takes them away from their loved ones. Give our elected officials the wisdom and courage to work together for the good of the country. We pray that they, along with the leaders around the world, work together to make progress towards peace. We confess our sins and humbly ask for forgiveness, gracious Father, we are thankful for the promise of your peace. We are thankful for the presence of your peace. Holy Spirit, teach us and remind us to live our lives in the most excellent way, with love. O oh Lord, our shelter, comfort those who are enduring tornadoes and floods, tremendous heat and droughts, illness, including PTSD, both diagnosed and undiagnosed, loss, uncertainty, hate, and other forms of despair. We pray for our recent graduates, those who have recently taken the oath of military service, newlyweds, new parents, recent retirees, and all who are currently enduring or imminently facing life-changing events. O oh God, our guide, we pray that that they will acknowledge you in all that they do so that you may guide their paths. We ask these things in the name of the one who promised peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray together as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. We welcome you again to Marsh Chapel on, uh, on this first summer Sunday. We thank you for joining us as a part of our community of worship today, whether you are here in the sanctuary, listening on the radio or live stream on the internet, or later, later via the podcast. In a spirit of friendship, we ask those of you seated in the pews that you locate the red booklets at the end of each pew toward the center aisle and enter your name and contact information. This helps us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. After the service, all are invited to join us for lemonade and light refreshments out on Marsh Plaza um, and enjoy this wonderful, beautiful late spring, early summer weather as well. With the semester ending and the university officially on summer break, our weekly fellowship opportunities will be on hold until the fall semester begins. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
Gracious God, through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, you have given immeasurable grace to us. May our offerings reflect the grace we have received and symbolize lives committed to the service of our risen Lord. Amen. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Go in peace to love, to remember, and to serve. Amen. <laughs>